Jesus. Six unexpected guests? Let me give you six water pots. Here's the deal, folks. God's not only able to meet your every need, He's able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond what you ever hoped for or imagined. Turning water into wine. This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Merriam-Webster's dictionary defines the word miracle as an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. Today, David concludes his look into the miracle Jesus performed by turning water into wine found in the second chapter of the Gospel of John. Jesus, now verse 7, said to the servants, remember the servants that Mary said, do whatever he tells you to do, fill the jars with water and they filled them to the brim. So they took each one that was 20 to 30 gallons and they filled it not just casually three quarters full, but to the brim. Each one contained, again, 20 to 30 gallons, altogether about 120 to 180 gallons of water. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it out. So the water was dipped out, some a bit of it, we don't know how much exactly, and it was taken to the master of the feast. There was an MC over the week-long wedding celebration, and the water was taken to the master of the feast, so they took it, and when the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine. Now, did you note that? The water didn't become wine until the servants obeyed what Jesus told them to do. The miracle didn't take place until the servants obeyed what Jesus told them to do. Dear friends, you may need a miracle in your life today, but you need to understand if there's some area of your life that Jesus has demanded obedience about and you are delaying that obedience. Remember, delayed obedience is disobedience and Jesus cannot do the miracle. He cannot change the water into wine. He cannot do what you desire so much until you have first committed to him as a heart that is obedient to all he wishes you to do. You need to let the Holy Spirit confront you today and see any area of your life where you know you're being disobedient to him. And wherever that may be, you make the decision, I'm going to be obedient, I'm going to do whatever Jesus tells me to do. Then it's in the process of taking that water from the servants to the master of ceremonies that then the water turns into wine. It was only after the water had been brought from the huge ceremonial cleansing jars to the master of ceremonies. And when the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine but you have kept the good wine until now. So so the master's ceremony was unbelievably overcome with excitement because when he tasted this wine that had been given to him, it was like the first part of the wedding feast when the best wine is served. And, And that's because people's palates are ready to enjoy wine and they could enjoy the deep taste of wine. And then as the palates got a, few, a bit dulled, you know, two, three, four days into the feast, then they would bring out the poorer, more diluted wine that didn't have as much of a punch and would not be enjoyed as much. But the master of ceremonies goes, wow, we're, we're two, three, four days into the feast and 
this batch of wine, the second batch of wine, is better than the first batch that came. Uh, Just showing folks that when Jesus wants to do a miracle in our lives, he wants to do more than we could ever think or imagine. That's who our Jesus is, not only trying to erase the shame and embarrassments that we have gone through in our lives, but giving us a miraculous presence of life from Him that's better than anything we could have ever hoped for or imagined. You know, uh, when I felt God calling me to form Moments of Hope Church. Most of you know I'm a little bit older in life. I had been in ministry almost 40 years in a previous church, and that ended. And, you know, I just didn't feel like God's call upon my life was finished. You know, I I looked at the example of Caleb in the Bible that when he was 40 years old, he went into the promised land and saw the giants, and he didn't fear the giants. He knew that God had promised that land. So Caleb and Joshua believed, but the other 10 spies didn't believe, and they went and infected all the people, and they had to march around in the wilderness, and those other people died off except for Caleb and Joshua at the age of 85 when he marched into the promised land after 40 years plus of wilderness wandering. The first thing he wanted was the land where the giants were. He said, you give me that land that's most prosperous where the giants are the biggest because that's what God has promised me. So I've always used Caleb as an example of my life. Years are just numbers, and God's call is what's important. So I committed to the Lord to begin this ministry with Marilyn. We spent a lot of time in prayer between ourselves, also with a a large number of people, just praying and seeking the Lord. And one time in a prayer time, is I was saying, Lord, am I crazy to do this at this age and stage of life? Am I just nuts? I know I heard the voice of the Lord that said to me, Son, I have called you to plant Moments of Hope Church. And then he said these words, dear friends. He said, Your best wine will be your last wine. That's all I know. He said to me, Your best wine will be will be your last, uh, last wine. And I'm convinced that's what's happening right now as we see this incredible church forming and growing and touching lives and giving millions of dollars away to the poor and the needy and the hungry and the oppressed and those who need to hear the gospel locally and around the world. I really believe that my best wine is my last wine. And folks, I hope you'll believe that too. No matter what age you may be, your future's bright, your future's hopeful because the best wine is the last wine. And that's what Jesus wants us to understand here in this particular story, to trust him that the best wine is the last wine. Now, let me pause just a second here and address the issue of wine and alcoholism. Uh, For any of you who have alcoholics who are part of your family system, you know the destruction that can happen when alcohol gets out of control. And you know, there are those who really believe that Christians should take a teetotaler approach to alcohol and wine and never drink whatsoever. But the problem is, biblically, you, you just can't land there. That wine is always seen as a joyous gift from God. It, the Word of God says that everything God gives us is to be richly enjoyed, and, and that includes wine that people did drink. So, so here's the issue, though. Though drinking wine in the Bible is never a sin, drunkenness is drunkenness absolutely is. So as you approach faithfully following Jesus, how how do you deal with the problem of alcohol? Well, some of you have said, I'm just not going to drink at all. 
I have it as a genetic predisposition in my family. I know it's there. I'm just not going to touch it. I'm not going to get close to it. And folks, that is a valid position to take. Others of you say, I'm just not going to drink because I don't want to drink. I don't like the taste of it. I don't even want to get near it. That's a valid place to uh, land as well. Some of you, though, say, but it is in the Bible, and I can enjoy a drink of wine, and therefore I do so, but I never let it ever get close to alcoholism or to drunkenness. And if that's your position, I think you can take that position as well. But you need to fourthly understand, if you take that position, you need to be very concerned for the lesser brother and sister that's out there. If you drink in the presence of someone who's got a drinking problem, and they see you drink, and they then conclude, well, it's okay to drink, and that exacerbates then their own alcoholism, you're held responsible for that. Again, in Romans 14, Paul outlines that really clearly to all of us. So if you do so, you need to be careful about drinking in public, and you need to never, ever get close to to drunkenness and influencing somebody else to follow your example. So I think moderation and temperance is a biblical perspective. Uh, My own understanding is if you drink just one glass of wine, you never have to worry about drunkenness and never have to worry about alcoholism. Maybe that's the posture you should take. If it's not not anything at all, I'm never going to drink more than one. And that way you're safe in not causing your lesser brother or sister to stumble uh, in the faith. But it's a huge problem today. And since COVID started last March 2020, binge drinking has gone through the roof. Alcohol problems have gone through the roof. Suicides related to alcohol problems have gone through the roof. So we need to take it seriously. It's a real problem. But also, if enjoyed as a gift from God, there's nothing biblically that I can say to you prevents prevents you from being able to drink in that way. So that is, I think, the biblical perspective on alcohol. Now, now back to the story. The best wine had been served as the last wine in verse um, 11. Uh, This is the first of the signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee. So this is the first of 36 miracles. We also see in John 20, verses 30 and 31, that Jesus did these miracles so that people would believe, and there were also multiple others that he did as well. But this is the first one that he did in Cana in Galilee in a small, poor little town, insignificant The fact that it was hidden probably allowed uh, the first evidence of Jesus' kingdom through the miraculous coming to this earth and didn't allow the Pharisees and the other religious leaders to confront Jesus as quickly as they would have had he done it in a more public setting like Jerusalem or even in Nazareth. So, and manifested his glory. So, So we see the glory of the Father in this miracle. It showed God's supernatural power in his Son. And his disciples believed in him. Now, the disciples had just been called, but now they believe in him because they saw this miraculous thing happen. Uh, Let me bring this whole story to conclusion by saying two things to you. First of all, if you need a miracle today, but you're yet not a follower of Jesus, ask him for a miracle. Uh, we, we see in the Bible that miracles, the, the word in the Greek is seimon, it means signs. It's like a signpost to tell us something else. So when Jesus did a miracle, it was a sign to point people to the fact that he's God. 
It's a sign that points us to the reality that Jesus is God in human flesh and he died on the cross to forgive us of our sins. And those miracles that we read about in the Bible, the 36, but also the thousands of others that Jesus probably did, they are to help people believe in Jesus. Remember, the writer of the book of John is called John the Evangelist in the early church. His greatest passion was for people to know Jesus, to not spend eternity separated from God the Father. He came to this earth to rescue us from our sins. That's the reason Jesus primarily came to this earth. So he did miracles for people to see that he is God in human flesh and to believe in him so that their sins are forgiven and they can have the gift of eternal life. Maybe you need a miracle today. Maybe you need a miracle to move you to faith in Jesus. Well, ask him for one. Say, I don't understand it. I'm really far from you, God, but I'm willing to test you. Do a miracle for me in my life. Meet me here in this place that I need and see if God doesn't do a miracle for you as a sign to point you to Jesus so that you'll finally believe. Oh, please understand that miracles do that. And one of the reasons Moments of Hope Church is going to continue to pray for people and ask for the miraculous to occur. And we've seen it happen already, folks. We've seen diseases healed. We've seen barren wombs open. Uh, we've seen all kinds of miracles in the almost two years that we've been in existence. And some people have come to faith when they've seen that miracle happen. We, we want that to occur as well. But there's also another message I wanna share with you today. And that's for those of you who believe in Jesus, but you have a need. You have something in your life that you need him to touch and make well. You need a touch of his miraculous, even as a believer, ask him for it. In Jesus' name, ask him for a miracle. Because here's what's so cool, folks. The problem at this wedding feast in Galilee was caused by six unexpected guests. Six unexpected guests showed up. And so two, three days into the wedding feast, they ran out of wine. So what does Jesus do? He takes six water pots, each one holding 20 to 30 gallons of water. And he takes those six and turns it into 120 to 180 gallons of water. It's like one water pot for each unexpected guest at the wedding. Jesus says, you know, you're going to get upset, Mom, with you know, six unexpected guests. Tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take six water pots, one for each one of us who showed up unexpectedly, and I'm going to give you 20 to 30 gallons of wine each one. And not only was that enough to get them through that week of the wedding celebration, not only was it the best wine to last, but I think Jesus gave the couple a wedding present. He gave them a years-long subscription to Jesus' vineyard, <laughs> a way that they could continue to enjoy his presence even long after he had left. So you think Jesus doesn't care about your need right now? Um, you think this unexpected problem in your life's too big for him? I, I just think when he turned those six water pots into wine, I think he just laughed. <laughs> And he laughed. And he said, six unexpected guests? Here's six water pots. Huge water pots. They'll take care of the wine problem. You know, because my God's a God who has a great sense of humor. I can only imagine that when, you know, Abraham was like 95 and he goes, God, are you sure you're going to give me a baby after all of these years? I'm 95 and Sarah's 85 and, you know, she's going to be nursing at this age of life. And, you know, God just kind of laughed in heaven, I think. And when he finally gave them the son, guess what they named him? Isaac. Laughter. 
That's what the name means, laughter. God's a God of laughter. He's got a great sense of humor. Gideon's hiding from the Midianites in the book of Judges, and he's so scared they're going to sweep in and steal all of his grain from his threshing floor, and an angel appears to him, and there's Gideon cowering, shaking, fearful, and the angel looks at him and says, Hail, mighty warrior! I love it. (laughs) I bet Gideon went, what? Who? Me? But that's God's sense of humor. He doesn't see us cowering. He sees what we can become if we truly trust him. And here's Jesus. Six unexpected guests? Let me give you six water pots, 120 to 180 gallons, and a gift to my special wedding friends for them to enjoy. Here's the deal, folks. God's not only, in Ephesians 3.20 language, able to meet your every need. He's able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond what you ever hoped for or imagined. Six unexpected guests. Let me give you six water pots. He's able to take your problem right now, not only meet it, but give you blessings beyond anything you wanted. So miracles are not only to help you just believe in Jesus, they're to help you believe that he'll meet your every need. There is saving faith in the Bible. There is Jesus meeting our every need faith. And if you're there today, trust him. Ask him and say, I know you're able to do it, even beyond what I ever even asked for or imagined right now. That's the God I serve. That's one of the messages Jesus wanted us to get in this particular text in John 2, verses 1 through 11, the word of the Lord. To him be the glory forever and ever and ever. listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Coming up, David joins me in a conversation about the personal names for God found in the Bible. We'll be right back. I'm Mark McManus with Moments of Hope Church's Ministry Minute, focusing on ministries that have a positive impact on our community. With me in the studio today is Tony Marciano, Executive Director of the Charlotte Rescue Mission. Tony, tell us about the Charlotte Rescue Mission. Mark, at the Charlotte Rescue Mission, everything we do is about transformation. With a focus on individuals struggling with addiction, we uniquely work from the inside out to address the root cause. And we accomplish that by providing professional, Christian, residential recovery services free of charge. Now let me back up for just a moment and explain all that to you. When I say the word transformation, I get those marching orders from John 6, a very interesting chapter of the Bible, where on day one, Jesus feeds 5,000 people. That night, the disciples float across the lake. Jesus follows them by walking across the lake, and the next day, the crowd gets in boats and follows them. But on day two, Jesus chooses not to feed them. He begins to preach at them, and they all leave. I think in that one chapter, it's the heart of God for the poor, where God says on day one, I love you so much, I accept you just as you are. But day two, God is saying, I love you too much to leave you there. And that's the hard work of transformation that we focus on every day at Charlotte Rescue Mission. I mentioned we uniquely work from the inside out to address the root cause. And that root cause is shame. Guilt is when I make a mistake, but shame says I am a mistake. And if you knew me, you wouldn't like me. And if God knew me, God wouldn't like me. And then I wrapped it up by saying we address this by providing professional, free, Christian residential recovery services. I like to use the verses out of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18, where the Apostle Paul says that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, height, and depth. And verse 19 says, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to all the measure of the fullness of God. Mark, I believe firmly that when someone realizes that God's love is four-dimensional, not three-dimensional, not conditional, 
but unconditional. When they have that aha moment that God loves them, all the shame in their soul goes away because they know they are fully accepted by God. Not for what they've done, but simply because God loves them. And that's what we do every day at Charlotte Rescue Mission. Love to have you get involved. Please go to our webpage, charlotterescuemission.org, for ways that you can impact the people we serve. Thanks for staying with us. With me today is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, in your e-devotions, you've recently been writing about the very personal, intimate names for God found in the Bible. One of those names many of us can relate to is God, my Savior. Interestingly, Jen, the idea of God as my personal Savior comes long before Jesus ever entered this world. In fact, David, in the 10th century, when he wrote the Psalms in the 900s BC, if you will, called God my Savior in Psalm 18, verse 2. And I think the reason he did so is because he knew how often God had to come rescue him from different situations that he was in, whether he was being pursued by King Saul or having to confront an evil Philistine or whatever he was going through, he knew that God had to come and deliver him and be my personal Savior. And I hope everyone today can point to a time in their life when they had no hope, they were pinned in, it was a difficult time, and God came through. God rescued them as my personal Savior because that's what Jesus did for us as well. Interestingly, when the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary, and said, you are with child by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, You need to name this kid Jesus because his name means Savior. He will save you from your sins. And it's like God the Father wanted all of us with Jesus' name to know with his name why he came. Mm -hmm. He came as a rescue mission. He came because all of us were consumed with sin and in our rebellion against God headed to hell. That was the reason that Jesus came into the world. Yes, racial reconciliation is important. Absolutely. Yes, we need to feed the hungry. Absolutely. Yes, we need to go visit the prisoner. Absolutely. Yes, we need to give clean water to the thirsty. Absolutely. But the greatest need that people have today is salvation. Mm. They need to be saved from their sins. Otherwise, people are going to hell. That's why the urgent and primary task of the church is to exalt the gospel of Jesus Christ, to preach him as Savior so that people can be saved from their sins and go to heaven. Mm -hmm. So God gave his son the name Jesus because he wanted all of us to constantly remember whenever we say his name, that's why he came. He came to save us from not only the guilt of sin, but to rescue us from the depravity of hell, sin's power and destruction over us, and the devil's ability to control our lives. When we accept Jesus as our Savior, he saves us from our sins. And listeners, that's why you need to be able to call God my Savior. When you pray in Jesus' name, you're praying in the name of the one who saved you from your sins. Have you asked the Lord to be Lord of your life today? If not, please do so now. Profess your faith in Jesus. Pray to God, Father, Abba, Daddy, you love me so much that you left the splendor of heaven to pursue me and the squalor of this earth. You died to save me from separation from you forever. You took the penalty of my wrath upon yourself so that I may have the gift of eternal life, the power to overcome my sin forever, the strength to resist the devil and see him flee. 
Dear friends, today, say with King David, God is my personal Savior. He is, and the Savior's personal name is Jesus. Mm -hmm. Call to him. He will save you. Wow, this has been so powerful. Thank you so much, David. And everyone, if you'd like to receive my daily Moments of Hope, please go to momentsofhopechurch.org, subscribe there, and you will receive daily in your inbox at 7 o'clock in the morning my Moments of Hope because I want to start your day with hope, not despair. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. Today's message on the Gospel of John is from our online worship service. And you can be a part of our service each Sunday morning at both 9 and 11 o'clock by going to momentsofhopechurch.org. And while you're online, be sure to sign up for David's daily Moments of Hope, delivered every morning to your inbox. And also check out our Hopecasts. They're both free and available through our website. Again, that web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston. I hope you have a great weekend.